Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. Gotta find some Tinderellas. We haven't done Tinderellas in a while. That's right. Yeah, we should do Tinderella. Ooh, I'm back on Tinder. <laughs> oh, there we go. So now we have our our agent in the field. Yeah, I do. I am back on Tinder and um, Bumble because I got sad about being single the other day and wanted like physical attention, right? As you do. Mm-hmm. So I made a Tinder profile and I forgot how horrible it is. Holy shit. It is horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been entertaining myself by sending pickup lines as one does. Oh, you're back to it. I'm back to it completely. Full circle. It's been a year since I've been sending pickup lines to random people on Tinder. Here I am again. Do you want to hear some? Are we going to do an early Tinderellas? Maybe you should save this for when we're recording. We are recording. Are we recording right now? We sure are. Oh, we are. We've been recording for a full minute. Yeah, look at that. Hey, intro. Let's introduce ourselves. Yeah. Hi, my name is Mo. I host this podcast and I am a terrible person on dating apps. I am Jeremy. I also host this podcast and I... um. Are domesticated. I have been <laughs> domesticated. I'm housebroken, all that good stuff. Yeah. No longer on Tinder. I was housebroken and domesticated for a year, but now I am loose and feral once again. <laughs> the wound is still raw. It's still... We don't got to talk about that if you don't want to, because, <laughs> uh, you know... Well, I had therapy yesterday, so... um. Ready to talk about it? Okay. <laughs> My journal knows everything. I have this fear... In my head, which I know, like, you probably shouldn't while you're journaling because journaling is, like, supposed to be your safe space or whatever. But I have this fear every single time I journal that one day when I'm dead, someone's going to care about my thoughts and feelings and they're going to find my journals and be like, holy fuck, this bitch was crazy. It's going to be like the um, Unabomber's Manifesto. In my journal, I like to write kind of old-timey. I don't know why that comes to me when I'm writing to myself. I'm just like... What do you mean old-timey? The melancholy has taken over me. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why. I just find it really therapeutic uh, and pleasing to myself. I have a question about your journal writing. So I used to journal a little bit just like for catharsis. It really does help to keep a journal. Just Mm -hmm. to remember things and also to get stuff out of your head. I would catch myself doing this sometimes. Do you ever write your journal, I guess I'll say with the intention of future generations uncovering it and reading it no that's my fear okay oh so your fear is what is happening yeah my fear is that someone will uncover it at some point and then read it and be like yo what because i'll find myself like well i used to when i was journaling i would like censor some things because mm-hmm. i'm like okay if this ends up in a cardboard box in an attic in 30 years and i have a kid who opens it up and is like Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is a little bit much. You know what I mean? I don't want to put too much in there. And then I realize, okay, you're not supposed to do that. You know what I mean? You're not right. Spo- it's supposed to be, you know. Natural. I had took a creative writing class and they said that you should not write to an audience when you're writing. Mm-hmm. It's the quickest way to like censor yourself and like not be authentic. And they also always said, if you're writing something that makes you uncomfortable, you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You're not journaling for fiction writing but still i mean right you're journaling to get your traumas out most likely yes. your insecurities and anxieties on to paper mm-hmm. yeah but then you can read it back later and be like oh my god i'm i'm not as 
insane. And that is broken. Or I'm broken different now. But like when I, I journal, like I'm very like dramatic about it. I feel like I get more out of it that way if I just like completely unleash all of my feelings. And even if like yeah. I don't necessarily fully believe them or feel them, I still like want to get them out. And so my journal is like my crazy persona in a way. It's like I have all these like anxieties and thoughts and feelings and I just like need to get them out somewhere so I don't house them anymore. Yeah. And it's not necessarily how I feel but I felt it at some point. Mm -hmm. My fear is that in the future, someone's going to read it and think that's how I felt or that's how I was all of the time. Yeah. That's a bit intense, you know? Right, like they're right, going right. to like um, fucking L. Ron Hubbard's affirmations, you know, about his dick and <laughs> yeah, right. potency and stuff. You are a brilliant man. <laughs> right. You are virile. You are strong. Women love you. Men are drawn to you as well. <laughs> Men want to be you. <laughs> Women want to fuck you. Yes. You do a good all around Hubbard. Yeah, she talks with his teeth and his tongue is in the back of his mouth. Uh. It's just him going, yeah, so, so. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> It's all teeth. He had these crooked, <laughs> every tooth with a different shade of yellow, like broken piano keys. Mm -hmm. Hell of a man and a hell of a, a, a physical form. The way that you contorted your mouth just added so much to the like disturbing factor of him oh, oh, it was like a weird like clown mouth but just your face thank you i've never seen that before thanks so much <laughs> thanks for adding that you didn't have to add that at all but you did <laughs> what you contorted your face to look scary yeah that was on purpose uh -huh. yeah oh, i didn't like of course. that i'm glad that you noticed that because i did that on purpose that's not just how my face works you know oh god i was gonna make such a bad segue for a second and then I stopped myself. I have to tell you after this. You've never made a good segue. I just want to add that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I was going to make That's a bad fair. one. You've only ever made bad ones. Well, do you want to hear some bad puns to top it off? Yes. Oh, are these puns uh, related to your online adventures with dating? Yeah. So anyways, here are my stories of terrorizing Tinder people. Are you purposely terrorizing them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else would i do on there yeah all right well, so i guess this is kind of like a mini tinderellas not quite i'm not sure if we should roll the intro yeah let's do tinderellas because if i'm not reading the profiles because i'm already the bad one okay all right all right so this is a special edition of tinderellas Would you mind if I spread Nutella on her butt and ate it? Hi, it's me, your Tinderella. So anyways, I matched with this person named Nix, and I said, <laughs> I like your name, Nix. Would you say that's your nickname? <laughs> so this is probably how most of them are going to go. Um, there's not going to be much response on my, <laughs> much response on my end. I'm just going to say, okay, next one. All right. <laughs> So Nix is, how is Nix spelled? N-I-K-S. Okay, K-S. Okay, I, th I thought it was like Stevie Nix, like N-I-X. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so that makes more sense. Yeah, nickname. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so I matched with a Mariah, and I said, look, Mariah, I'm not saying I'll sweep you off your feet, dot, dot, dot. But what I am saying is I'll happily carry you. Should you fall? Carrie spelled like Mariah, Mariah Carey. Wow. And they said, ha ha, laughing face. You funny. I like that. 
<laughs> I see you match with Krognor the caveman. You funny. I like funny good. Yeah. Krognor laugh. <laughs> I didn't respond because what the fuck are you going to say that? Um, <laughs> and there's, they said, can I ask a question? What does it mean to let someone top you? <laughs> wait, wait, who said that? Mariah? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, I'm interested again. Um, Interesting. This is clearly me... an undercover cop. Right. <laughs> I'm like, this is so suspicious. What is this? Do you know where to find fentanyl? <laughs> and what is a top? <laughs> Do you know what a top is? I'm curious. I feel like I've talked to you about gay sex enough that you would yeah, know. Yeah, like the person who's on top during sex? Someone who's able to do more physically? The latter is more accurate. So someone who's like more dominant. Not necessarily like actually on top, but someone who kind of like calls the shots to say. Probably physically lighter, more spry, I'd imagine, too. Right. Harder to, you know, get out of the clutches of generally. Okay, so like a, like a dom. Very slithery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically like a dom. Is there a middle? I'm a middle. A switch. Switch. No, I don't do either. I'm just a middle. I'm somewhere in between <laughs> doing nothing. Like and in something. a threesome? Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm the guy with the camera. You're a patty. I'm a patty. Is that what that is? I don't know. I just came up with it. Did you like that? It was a good joke. Huh? Oh, like a burger? Yeah. You're, yeah, wow. That's really, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad this is being recorded and documented for history. <laughs> a patty. You heard it here. You're a patty. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Everyone else started the buns. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's my last uh, Tinder. Aw, over so soon. Well, I feel like three is a good cap. I don't want to scare off our audience okay, too early. Fair. That's fair. So I matched with a Sophie and I said, I really thought I was strong, but after looking at your pictures, I'm left feeling so feeble. <laughs> I mean, that's good. How do you spell so feeble? Like Sophie dash B-L-E. Like Sophie Bull. Sophie Bull. Do you think she got that? I don't know if I would have gotten that in written form. I don't <laughs> Sophie know. Sophie Bull. I'm, fe I'm feeling Sophie Bull. Like sociable? She, I can't remember what she said, but she was like, oh, that was cute. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what do you like to cook? And I was like, mm, boring. Next. <laughs> uh, substance? No, thanks. I'm you're just right. here for the thrill. Oh, you're right. Yeah. If you're not here to banter with me, then there's no point in continuing. Sorry. Uh, you missed an opportunity to make like a Sophie's Choice pun with that. The fuck is Sophie's Choice? Sophie's Choice? The yeah. movie? It's a prolific film with, oh, God. Oh, shit. What's her name? <laughs> Give me a second. Give me a second. She's <laughs> she's nominated for a lot of Oscars all the time. She's an older right. woman. So prolific. She was in the second season of Big Little Lies. You can never forget her. Please yep. help me. You know her. No, you know her. Meryl Streep? That's all I Meryl can think Streep. of. Is Meryl that it? Streep. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at us. So it's a movie from like the 80s, I think. Sophie's Choice. It, it's, uh, <laughs> I know you don't care, but maybe the audience knows this or cares, but she plays, it's like post-Holocaust, and she lost her children in the war because the Nazis were like, you have to pick your son and your daughter, like in this line, like, mm. who's, which one's staying with you? And she like, spoiler alert, she couldn't, she couldn't make the choice. And so they took both of her kids. Mm. And that's the, why it's called Sophie's Choice. Right. Nothing says romance like Nazi Germany. <laughs> like like <laughs> the Holocaust. Making a joke, making a pickup line out of a Nazi Germany soldiers murdering your children well no what you could have said was i hope i can be sophie's choice implying that she had to pick you over a child in life <laughs> in a ghetto yeah anyways that was a good one this is why i'm on tinder and you're not probably <laughs>
Man, that was an insult for both of us, I feel. (laughs) I don't know that I'm much better, but I can confidently say that I am better. For sure. I would say so. I I was so stressed out on Tinder. Yeah, I am not stressed just because I see it as a joke. I guess that's a good approach. But then like once they ask you about cooking, you bail. So like because you have that mentality of the joke. Also an avoidant attachment style. Yes. You know? Yes. As soon as there's depth. Sorry, I'm out. I only want to date people who hurt me. Hell yeah. In the same exact way every time. It builds character. It builds in the same exact way. (laughs) I'm comfortable with that kind of hurt. And I only want that. It tickles me just right. And I'm not, you know, interested in exploring other avenues of pain. Uh, I feel very good with that one. And I would like to stay with it. So if you are offering stability, you can get the fuck out of my face. That's an awesome message. (laughs) Yeah. Because you want to keep it brief. You want like, think of it this way. Some of the best TV shows were like three to five seasons long. Mm -hmm. They knew when to end it. Right. Otherwise, you're like season six of Walking Dead. And it's just like, where are we going? What's going on here? Yeah, what uh, is there? Are the writers even writing this, or is this just sort They're of? They're just like text to chat. <laughs> yeah, was this generated by a bot? Like, was this which very well could be if you've seen the show Walking Dead past season like three? But... I feel like yeah. At this point in my life, if I have a relationship go past a year, I feel like that's that's the money ticket. That's how I know it'll be good. I haven't had a relationship at a year yet in my gay life. I just passed two years. With my girlfriend. Wow. That must be nice for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just kidding. It's, it's fantastic, actually. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. No, I'm actually really happy for you. You guys are very thanks, cute thanks. together and very stable. But anyways, uh, enough about that. <laughs> Let's move on to... Do you have a science corner? I heard a little birdie told me. I that do, you actually. Corner. So now that you're domesticated now and mm-hmm. house trained, I thought that it would be really fun... To do a science corner on cats. I live with a cat. You do live with a cat. Wow, I didn't actually plan that, but that's kind of perfect. Cool. So here is your science corner. Science is cool, and today we are cool. So I'm going to pronounce this Czech guy's name horribly. It's Jaroslav Flieger. Mm -hmm. He is a 63-year-old Czech scientist who became known for his theory that parasites were in his brain, causing him to act in strange and self-destructive ways. Everyone thought he was crazy, and he probably is, but he's actually not completely wrong. So, yeah, so he's a, a scientist that became known for his theory, and everyone kind of, like, disregarded him, said that he was nuts, right? Probably, like, they should. Because this was, like, in the 90s that he came up with this theory. He was convinced that he was you know, acting very impulsively, and he was convinced that he wasn't acting by his own accord. It was because that there were, like, parasites or there were, like, some sort of thing controlling him and his behavior. Okay. And it's only been recently that we actually did find a link, and that link is cats. So they kind of have, like, a dark reputation in neuroscience because there was a study done that suggests that mammals who are near a cat start to act uncharacteristically. And that's because of a parasite in their stool called Toxoplasma gondii, or called 
toxo or like toxoplasmosis. Mm -hmm. In the study, they found that toxo traveled to a rat's brain and it made the rat become attracted to the smell of cat urine where it was like previously repulsed and would like stay away, right? Because cats are like a predator. And mm -hmm. so it became attracted to the urine. The cat would kill them, eat them, whatever. And so would get more of the parasites, would, you know, poop them out. And then more animals were like, exposed to this parasite so more people would get infected right so it's kind of why there's this psa i guess where pregnant women are not supposed to handle cat litter and it's because they can be exposed to this parasite and they can pass it on to their children so the parasite is able to rewire brain circuits that deal with fear anxiety and sexual arousal uh, it has like an enzyme in it that makes dopamine, which relates to like joy and also like impulsive risky behavior. Mm -hmm. So excessive dopamine can cause psychosis like schizophrenia. And people with schizophrenia were three times more likely than people without to have antibodies for this parasite. Wow. Which is really crazy, which kind of plays into the crazy cat lady syndrome, right? Because these people actually have some sort of attraction to cat urine. Oh, people too. Yeah, like, like a, people. It's, it's, it's yeah. common in, in all mammals that have this. Mm -hmm, that have this parasite. So yeah. Wow. Which is Holy shit. fucking Damn. weird. So the crazy cat lady syndrome has a little bit of a validity. There was a huge expansive study though to show if there was any link, like, oh, if you own a cat, are you mo pr more prone to psychosis? And they didn't actually find anything. They kind of, like, ruled out a lot of factors. But they did find the link that people with schizophrenia were three times more likely to have this parasite because dopamine is more readily available because of it. And dopamine is a huge factor for schizophrenia and, like, psychosis. Interesting. And I wonder if this was more common in cities, for example. Think of it that way. Mm -hmm. Like in cities, there's a lot of rats, a lot of stray cats, whatever. I don't know how you get How do you get it from a cat? Just from their stool? Yeah, just from their stool. Okay. But their stool could be near something and it spreads or whatever. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's spooky. I don't know. I didn't think to look at like where it's most common. I just thought it was really fucking bizarre and really cool. And also why I don't trust cat people. Yeah. Y'all have parasites. Apparently. On another related note, though, my cat's urine actually smells quite good. <laughs> I've been spending more and more time in his feces as well. <laughs> Unrelated. I don't know what that is. Well, you can thank Jaroslav for figuring that out for you. You may just have some parasites in your brain. I just like to think my cat's just special. <laughs> it's actually, it's not very dangerous. So they found that in immunocompromised people, it can cause like adverse health effects but most people don't really have any symptoms oh. if they end up getting infected with this parasite they might have like you know mild things like flu symptoms but otherwise are fine um, but people who are immunocompromised i think can have like strokes and things like that i can't remember that's crazy i didn't record that but you should be fine you can keep your cats they won't kill you they may infect you and they may control your mind but all in all, you'll be okay. <laughs> my cat has bit me uh, about 7,000 times since living with it. So if whatever he has, I probably have. I have been seeing a lot of videos lately of really chonky cats, and it's kind of making me want to get one. And I think that reminded me that I don't really like them, and I shouldn't do that. 
Yeah, that definitely like uh, when you started reading that, I'm like, should we get rid of our cat? What? What? Wait, hold on. I don't want this to happen to either of us to become crazy from cat poop because uh, he poops in a box like in the house. Right. You know, I've changed his litter box before. I mean, realistically, a lot of people probably have it. Who knows? I mean, yeah. That's okay. He's an indoor cat. I don't think he's killed a rat. Do you feel sexual arousal with your cat? Everybody has that. You may have talked so. Maybe that's why furries are so prevalent. Maybe they haul off Toxo. You know what? Sure. I'm cracking it. It's a parasite. It's a parasite. Science? It's a cultural... If anything, it's a cultural parasite. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting though because... Um, um, fuck, it's gone. Maybe it's the parasite in my brain. <laughs> I couldn't remember Meryl Streep and now I can't remember what I was just about to say. Oh my God. I gotta go huff some more cat piss. I'll be right back. <laughs> That I don't know. That just reminded me. I'm like, it sounds like you have ADHD. Today, I was like trying to show someone this bed frame that I was looking at. And um, there were like too many steps to find it, right? It was like on this website. I had to log in and then I had to go to my favorites list and then I had to find the bed frame and then I had to show it to them. And in that process, I got bored. And so I just started dancing instead. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, do you want to see this cool dance move? And I was like, ha, ha, ha. And they're like, weren't you supposed to be showing me your bed frame? And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, I guess I was, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have something. Hey, you know, you lived with two cats for a time yeah you had a roommate with two cats i sure did and i never fucked with their litter i was like very against yeah, that but still i mean you know if one of us i would say has <laughs> a virus that causes them to act um i'll say overly neurodivergent it's that it's probably you <laughs> although i am quite i feel like you need this reassurance you do wacky shit you do like i do do wacky shit you lift your legs up and you go boop, 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 blah, blah, blah. you know what i mean <laughs> so really i think <laughs> boop, 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 boop. you could have this parasite yeah Anyways, you want to fucking talk about Edgar Casey? You know what? I, I was trying to think of a segue. I can't really think of one. Um, you know who probably has a parasite in their brain? Okay, in a sense. In a sense, right? Not in the literal sense, but in the spiritual sense. The guy we're going to be focusing this entire episode on, Edgar Casey, aka the Sleeping Prophet, aka the guy I talked about briefly in the Atlantis episode. If you happen to listen to our episodes, <laughs> yes, yes, it's all coming together now. The picture is going to be complete. Let's talk about this wacky old man <laughs> who does funny things when he sleeps. <laughs> Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension. Their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? He said, some people ask me whether I'm a spiritualist. I guess the term for me is a psychic. The person could be in the room, or he could be in another state or another city. It didn't matter. Reincarnation holds the living and the dead together. It says there is a link between the living and the dead. Unbelievable. Fantastic. But I tell you, it could happen. All right, so who 
is this Edgar Casey fella? Um, yeah, Mo, tell me all about this man. He lived from 1877 until 1945. So he was known as the father of holistic medicine and the most documented psychic in the 20th century. So he was an American clairvoyant who channeled while he was asleep in a trance. So he would have other people record for him and he would basically speak while he was in trance states. It's like meditation, right? Yeah, very similar to meditation. From what I understood, he had a chair or like a sofa he would lay down on, close his eyes, and then he would begin to speak. Right, right. Or like at the very least, he could answer questions. So he would answer questions on different things like healing, illnesses, reincarnation, dreams, the afterlife, past lives, and like future events. So he would do a bit of fortune telling as well. For over 40 years, he gave readings to thousands of people while he was unconscious, and he would frequently diagnose illnesses and reveal past lives and prophecies. But it really kind of started out as a method for him to heal people and figure out like what was wrong with them and then give them treatments for their different ailments. He was seen as demonic by Christians, despite being one himself. He was like very devoutly Christian, mm -hmm. actually. And throughout his entire career, I feel like he was actually very moral about what he was doing. Like he never accepted payments for anything. He was very uncomfortable for his amount of notoriety and the amount of fame that he got. And he was always like very adamant that his teachings and like what he was doing was meant to be a part of Christianity and religion and not take away from it. Right. And if people were substituting religion for like what he was doing, then he was very much against that. What makes him especially interesting is that he seemed to be as confused or surprised by his abilities as much as everybody else was. Mm -hmm. You know, he was he was as clueless as everybody else was, it seemed, because it really wasn't him that was doing this. It was this thing that called itself the entity, right? Yeah. The entity. Yeah, he was kind of freaked out by it and confused by it as well, which is kind of interesting because I feel like what a lot of people kind of end up doing, or at least people that you would be skeptical of, right, are like, yeah, I have complete control. I know how to do this thing, whatever, exactly. whatever. And he was like, I don't fucking know what's going on. I feel like I can help people by doing this. So I'm going to do it, um, which I feel like is honestly really cool of him to <laughs> admit. And he was very open about it yeah. his entire career. I think he was humble in a weird way that you don't see a lot with these prophets and, and mystics. Mm -hmm. He brought humility to what he was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, he was very modest and humble and he wasn't flamboyant or conceited. He seemed to be quite literally a vessel for whatever the hell this other thing was. You yeah. know, he made it very clear it wasn't him. Exactly. Like he personally believed that um, his subconscious mind was exploring the dream realm where all minds were like timelessly connected. Very much like the Akashic records and astral plane stuff that we talked about in a past episode. Very much like that line of thinking where all of our unconscious minds are connected to some like greater plane. If we train, we're able to tap into it and gain information. And so he felt like he was able to gain information in that way. And it's kind of interesting because he ended up founding a nonprofit called the Association for Research and Enlightenment to study his channeling and also run a hospital. I'll talk about that a little bit, but that's kind of like a brief overview of who he is. And I'll talk about his background quite a bit because that honestly is like equally as interesting as his wild fucking prophecies and all this weird shit that he believed in. Yeah. Um, so he 
was born among five other kids, right? Typical, you know, American country boy, farmer <laughs> stereotype. Papa couldn't keep it in his pants. <laughs> Very Christian. Yeah. As a child, he began seeing a ghost of his grandfather and stated he knew it was a ghost because he was transparent if he looked hard enough. So he was taken to church when he was 10 because he was seeing all this weird shit, right? And he became a very devout believer, which I thought was kind of interesting that he wasn't introduced to the church sooner. It was after these kind of episodes started beginning and then he became a strong believer. But I guess if you're seeing a lot of these otherworldly type things and then you're introduced to this system that explains that it's from a higher power, you would really want to lean into that because it kind of makes sense compared to that's true the alternative which is it's just wild and weird <laughs> and you have to think of his parents i mean i don't know but like from a parent's perspective especially at that time that socioeconomic background whatever being very religious he'd probably be like oh my kid is seeing some pretty weird shit i better take him to church yeah something might be wrong I, maybe his this immortal kid, soul's in danger right this kid needs help <laughs> we should definitely take the boy to church yeah, it's actually interesting, too, because he was reading the Bible one day in the woods when he was 12 years old, and he had an encounter with a woman with wings who said his prayers were answered, and he would become a missionary where he would do his life goal, which is to help others and heal sick children. So the next day, after a school teacher complained about his work and he, like, was doing shit, he, like, failed a test or something... His father was testing him on his spelling to, like, help him study, and he wasn't doing well. And so he knocked him over. And, mm -hmm. you know, Casey said that he heard the woman, again, who said that if he went to sleep, they could help him. And what had happened was he had asked his father, like, Papa, just let me sleep on it. Mm -hmm. Let me sleep on it. And when he woke up, he knew all of the answers that his dad was quizzing him on. He started studying this way for everything. He would sleep on top of books. And when he woke up, he would be able to recite everything in them. I think maybe the angel that he had seen or whoever that lady was uh, had told him to do this thing where he yeah. would sleep with the book under his bed. Because I think he slept with his school book under his bed that night. Mm -hmm. And then the next day he knew all of the he knew all of the answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's like what he did from then on out. So he would like frequently sleep on books and he would be able to retain everything in them the next day. Yeah, like memorize everything. Wild. I would love to like have that tested. Like I wonder if he proved that to anyone. I imagine that he definitely did at some point, but did you hear the story about the mayor or the governor? No. Some local politician. So his father was a big proponent of this when he found out he was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And to test it, the politician had just written a speech. And so he said, my son will be able to memorize this speech. Some weird little bet or dare had mm -hmm. occurred. So he had Edgar sleep with the speech, the pages under his pillow. And then the next day, Edgar recited the speech by heart in front of the politician, and I believe in front of a crowd of people. Wow. So people knew, like, his father definitely was in on it with him. Like, his father wanted to show everybody what his son could do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he was able to recite, like, I, I want to say it was, like, a thick speech. It was a long speech. Mm -hmm. And he was a little boy. So for him to be able to do that goes beyond memorizing, especially since he wasn't fully educated, mm -hmm. to just memorize that kind of long-winded speech. Just right. by sleeping on it, just in one night is pretty spectacular. Right, like even memorizing that in a night, even if he was like up all night memorizing it, like that's 
Kind of incredible. Could a little kid even do that? Bizarre all in all. I wonder if that's why he had so much guilt attached to his abilities is because his father was so abusive. And like, that's the only thing that he was worthy for, I guess, in his father's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. From what I had found too, like his father was really proud of him after that. Mm -hmm. You know, his father really approved of what he was doing because it was so spectacular. And so probably through religious lens. Right. Pretty, you know, profound. Another significant thing that happened while he was younger was during a school ball game, he was hit on his tailbone and he started acting very strangely. And after sleeping, he came up with a cure that worked perfectly for curing his tailbone injury. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like where he started getting his start on discovering ailments in people and developing cures or treatments for them. All of his cures, did you ever like look at the things he like? Some of them, yeah. In his sleep, he would say like, uh, you have to mix poison in with water and hair and drink it. <laughs> Not literally, but I mean, like stuff like that, where it's like, get a dog's eye boogers and put it into water and drink it. And the people would be like, I'm cured. The boy's booger water saved me. But then it'd also be like, Eat a balanced diet. Go outside and exercise. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like, yeah, of course. It was like uh, drink lots of water, exercise, and cook with olive oil. Yeah. That's like the Casey diet. Yeah. To this day, they say that like exercise, drink lots of water, and cook with olive oil. I do all of that. Look at me. Yeah, most people, you know, if you try to be healthy, that's kind of what you're doing, right? It's pretty common now. I didn't know olive oil was healthy. I thought it was like distinctively unhealthy. I think vegetable oil is that. Oh, really? Vegetable oil has like carcinogens or something like that, the way that it's made. <laughs> oh, no. Vegetable oil, I believe, is what's bad for you. And canola oil. Um, so vegetable oil comes from the hair of vegetables. So if they don't wash their hair for a long time, their scalp Fuck you. naturally releases oils and Fuck off. they just collect it into a bottle. I, yeah, I was listening <laughs> intently for five seconds until you said scalp. <laughs> That's not true. I feel like that's I not true, he said with a whisper of doubt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I use my biochemistry degree for evil. Yes. And I listen like an idiot. It's <laughs> like, Mo, yeah, Mo, Mo knows these things. Um, like corn. Well, corn does kind of have a mullet. It does, yeah. A corn cob, it's got that sweet little ponytail. It's funny because corn is the number one vegetable that contributes to vegetable oil for that reason. That's probably the most abundant vegetable on earth right now is corn. Well, it's also because it has hair. So, was this part of your joke? <laughs> yeah. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, Mo. Uh, Tell me more about this old man who sleeps and says things. <laughs> I feel like I talk too monotone sometimes. Like I'm too deadpan. Yeah. And my coworkers don't really know how to interact with me because they never know when I'm serious or not, and I don't correct them either way. <laughs> no, I've I've known you for a while, and I still am like Jeremy. I was probably joking right now. I think that's sarcasm. Right. But it's strange because you literally don't change your tone of voice and you don't even look at like you're you don't even kind of smile. You know what I mean? Like you don't you just yeah. sort of like stare for a while to him like waiting for the correct response to hit. Yeah. It can be a minefield. Right. <laughs> Anyways, so Casey stopped going to school after the ninth grade when his clairvoyance really started developing. So he said that he could see auras and speak to angels and was also a medium, you know, someone who could see ghosts and things like that. He at one point lost his voice, but a few years later was cured by hypnosis. So he actually struggled with 
his loss of voice for quite a while. He had to recruit this hypnotist who would like do all these treatments on him like a few times and it would like work for a while and then he would kind of like revert back to losing his voice. Was that, was it, I feel like I remember reading about this. Was, was this guy like an actual magician? Like a stage magician? Yeah, he was like a magician. He like procured the help of a stage magician. Like a a magician was in town and he was like, pardon me, sir, do you know how to... uh, well, I guess he wouldn't say that because he couldn't speak. But he was just like just Ariel like, hey. who like would grab at her throat and be like, <laughs> Can you help me? He was beautiful. So, you know, the hypnotist became enraptured immediately. Look at this circle-faced man. <laughs> his head was a ball. If you look at pictures of him, he's this dough-faced <laughs> little southern man with the roundest <laughs> face you could ever imagine. Don't yak this guy's yams. Maybe he likes circle heads. <laughs> I think it's cute. I think he looks wonderful. I think he looks very charming. Um, But yeah, so it was cured by hypnosis. And so Casey from that began offering like free trance readings. So basically like a hypnotic trance that induced the clairvoyance. Prior to this, he wasn't doing any readings. He just kind of like had all these weird things happen to him. But it wasn't until he formed this relationship with the hypnotist that he realized that you could do trances and that he could speak and tap into his clairvoyance through these trances. So when he started okay. doing this... because the hypnotist helped him enter trances. Right. Okay. Until he, like, learned how to do it on his own. That makes sense. While he was in these trances, he found out that he could diagnose physical and mental conditions that he termed the entity and provide a remedy with only, like, a letter. So if he just, like, knew these people, he was able to, like, tap into their unconsciousness being whatever and diagnose them and come up with some sort of remedy for them. Yeah, because people started writing him letters and being like, hey, I got this sore on my foot. What do you think I should do about it? And then someone would read it to him in his trance state and he'd be like, yeah, well, let me tell you what, Jim, you better put some motor oil on that thing (laughs) right now. (laughs) Better lube it up. Right now. So people like Marilyn Monroe, Houdini, and Thomas Edison all wrote him letters. So, yeah, this this is true. However, I read in several places, Marilyn Monroe, but he, remind me again, what year did he die? Uh, 45, 1945. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe didn't like have her first big break until like 47, 48. Mm-hmm. There's no way, like she became big in the 50s, Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. But like late 40s is when she became like a popular model. Yeah. So I don't know where this factoid comes from, but I doubt, there's no way he, Marilyn Monroe, right? Well, why not before she was famous? Maybe. And then they just found out later that she was famous. Maybe. Yeah. Could be. Not everybody only matters when they're famous, Jeremy. People matter before then, too. That's so not true. You only <laughs> you only matter if you're famous. <laughs> she writes him, like, am I going to be famous someday? And the entity is like, uh, yeah, you're going to be really hot, fuck the president, and then die young. Did she actually fuck the president? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's pretty well known that her and JFK, you know. They they did canoodle? Yeah. Cool. Go her. Yes. Go Marilyn. He gave her his magic bullet. Gross. He shot his magic bullet on that grassy knoll. And he sure did spray, didn't he? Yeah, so that opened up, actually, if you're talking about the assassination. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have heard way too many JFK assassination facts. I used to frequent this coffee shop and there are these two old men who would come in every single day and every single day they would talk about the JFK assassination for multiple hours at a time. Are you serious? Yes. They would debate it 
every single day for multiple hours they would bring up all these like really obscure like facts like all these things and like come up with all these conspiracies and then like cross reference it with each other every day they'd be like well have you heard about this and the other one would be like no no i haven't he's like research that and get back to me (laughs) little do people know at the time of the assassination jfk plugged his nose when he sneezed (laughs) there was no bullet right get back to me when you look into that (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyways, Edgar Casey became famous around the world, uh, but still refused money for the readings, and he really agonized over the morality of them, as the belief at the time was hypnosis patients would all eventually go insane, and so he really worried that he was actually harming people, right, or he was, like, harming himself because he was, you know, doing hypnosis, essentially, But it kind of like changed his mindset when his wife caught tuberculosis and the doctors weren't able to cure her. They basically thought she was a lost cause and she was going to die. And he used his readings after the doctor had given up and the treatment that he concocted worked and she was cured. Do you know what that treatment was, Mel? I don't. Do you? (laughs) Um, Hold on. This is very important. Tell me. This is something that you can still order online through like Casey's website. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. It's called Charred Oak Keg. Okay. The entity Mm -hmm. prescribed this to to several other patients that wrote in with respiratory issues. Varying in size from one to five gallon kegs, this remedy was prescribed to over 80 clients who came to Casey with health concerns through readings. The keg made of oak with its interior burnt or charred is filled partially with pure apple brandy. Okay, this is a direct quote from Casey during his reading. Quote, not Jack or cider, but apple brandy, <laughs> double distilled. That's like a fucking ad. Um, and then he said, and then also the burnt interior of the barrel supposedly acts as activated charcoal, which like is supposed to like absorb impurities. Mm-hmm. Very holistic, you know. Um, the charred barrel of brandy is vented with two tubes made of either rubber, metal, or glass. One tube is smaller than the other, and that's for air pressure. The other tube it, you suck on. So the larger tube is the inhalation tube and it is inserted so that it inserts into the keg but rests just above the line of brandy. So it's not in the brandy. But you breathe through the inhalation tube and you inhale the charcoal-activated brandy fumes. Oh. So you're huffing alcohol <laughs> alcohol fumes in a burnt barrel. <laughs> also, isn't activated charcoal toxic? I don't know. I'm fairly sure that they came out because like activated charcoal toothpaste and things like that became like a fad because it was supposed to like whiten your teeth and like remove, you know, stains and things. Yeah, I had some of that. But you're not actually supposed to use it that often because it can poison you. Oh, good to know, Mo. It's toxic. So I'm I'm rubbing toxic shit in my teeth. I can't huff my cat's piss or play with this shit. (laughs) What kind of world is this? Not a good one. God damn it. (laughs) But yeah, so if you look at Casey's other cure-alls, if you think like, isn't this bad for you? Uh, Yeah, look at everything else that (laughs) he prescribed people. It's absolutely like crude oil. What? Crude oil. It's supposed to be applied heavily to the scalp. Oh, sick. And I'll talk about that later. A lot of them worked, though, allegedly, in a really bizarre way. But his cure-alls were absolutely redonkulous. That's interesting. I wish he were still alive so I could ask him how to get over a breakup. Well, you know, it's funny. I should just rub crude oil on my scalp. Is some people claim to be able... You should. Some people claim to be able... You know how crazy people... I won't say crazy people, but people who may or may not have come into contact with parasites and cat poop, they claim to be mediums and they can channel certain spirits. Mm-hmm. Somebody I found wrote a book. I think 
I saved it, a screenshot of it. Let's see if I can find it real quick. Here it is. Uh, this is by Ryo Raiho Okawa. Mm-hmm. The title of this paperback book is called What Will Become of Coronavirus Pandemic? Readings by Edgar Casey. Oh. And here's the description of the book. This book is a transcript of the spiritual messages from Edgar Casey recorded on April 9th, 2020. At the time, the world's major cities were in lockdown. Edgar Casey, also known as the Sleeping Prophet, was an American psychic who revealed the causes and provided solutions to various diseases through his spiritual readings. What would he say about the novel coronavirus if he were alive today? You may say it's wishful thinking, but fortunately, the author's ability to receive spiritual messages makes this possible. This book is a book of miracle, indeed. Casey, now a spirit in heaven, tells us that the novel coronavirus infection is likely to spread even further. But he also teaches us the truth of the coronavirus infection and the effective ways to deal with it. By reading this book, you too can gain the power to defeat the novel coronavirus. Here is your light of hope. So this was written after Casey died. Yeah. So they're saying they channeled Casey and wrote a book saying that Casey (laughs) told them how to overcome COVID. Am I getting that correct? You are 100% correct. And just so you know a little bit about the author, here's a very short blurb. Okawa is the master of happy science, Uh, a religion founded in 1986 and now joined by people in more than 100 countries across the world. That doesn't mean anything. You know, we probably have people in 100 countries listening to us. God forbid. And we just talk about fucking Mothman. This is what we're dealing with in this not to totally delegitimize Edgar Casey and his legacy, because some of it is honestly very fascinating and, and mysterious, but also like it kind of has attracted this weird, like the dam broke and a bunch of interestingly minded people are now using him mm-hmm. for gain in this weird way. But he, so he speaks to a lot of people that claim to be mediums who claim to be able to uh, channel spirits, stuff like that. Interesting. He was the start of all that, all the new age stuff. Right. But one other like crazy cure story that I wanted to mention by Edgar Casey is there was a family who had an adult daughter who had to be placed in a mental institution because she was acting really crazy, you know, as women do. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Uh, her parents were desperate to help her, so they consulted Casey. And he said that her mental illness was caused by a bad tooth and that it should be pulled. They followed his advice and after the bad tooth was removed, the daughter regained her sanity and was able to leave the mental institution. Wow. Yeah, aka she probably was just being a woman and having emotions, and so her parents <laughs> didn't like it, sent her away. Casey said, remove her tooth, and she was like, okay, this is my out to get out. Um, had the tooth removed, and then she was like, oh my god, I feel so much better. This is great. I feel like I can be normal now. So she could get the fuck out of there. <laughs> yeah, she's probably like, okay, um, these people are going to start pulling out my fucking teeth. Uh, I better at least try to act normal, you know, more composed so I can get the fuck out of here, you know, move out or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, also, maybe it was like an infected tooth, right? Right. Maybe it was an infected tooth and it was making her in severe pain and she wasn't able to act cordially because she was, you know, significantly affected. She was in a mood. He finally, like, reached a point where he was getting so much requests for readings and he was getting like really famous for all of this 
that he decided to pursue it full time and didn't ask for people to pay. Like he didn't want to charge people for readings, but he did, you know, ask for donations if people were able to give donations for his readings so that he was able to actually focus on it. And in 1923, he began reciting like past lives and reincarnation. So he's like 40, 50, something like that at this point in time. Uh, He would put himself into trances by laying on a couch, closing his eyes and folding his hands over his stomach. In his meditations, he would place his mind with time and space, the universal consciousness or super conscious mind. He would come up with answers to what are the secrets of the universe? What is my purpose in life? And what can I do to help my arthritis? (laughs) (laughs) The main mysteries of our world. Many books were written based on his readings, like we were saying, like discovering your mission in life, developing your intuition, exploring ancient mysteries like the pyramids, you know, and that kind of shit, or taking responsibility for your health came like after he started doing these readings a lot more often, but also after he passed away, after he died, people kind of like took on his name and made it into their own thing yeah which was really interesting like he definitely spearheaded the holistic medicine movement and kind of like spirituality as we know it when it comes to like astrology and things like that and not necessarily coming up with it but just kind of putting it in like a mainstream sort of narrative and making it more well known yeah giving it a more modern voice because he's also known Another one of his monikers is that he's the father of the New Age movement as well. Exactly. Yeah. So he started predicting things like fortune tellings as well, more so in his later years. But he predicted things like the 1925 stock market crash, uh, World War II. He predicted four years prior to it starting. Yeah, right. And finding the Dead Sea Scrolls. He predicted as well, which is really interesting. So kind of moving on um, into the latter years, during like the Great Depression, he had a lot of friends and family asking how they could also become psychic because they were seeing how um, cool it was and how much attention he was getting. And they're like, oh, dude, Casey, you know, how can I like get super hot and cool like you? I'm going to make money also probably. Right, get money in. He was like, well, it's not about being psychic. Right. It's about becoming more spiritually aware and loving yourself. So he created study groups, (laughs) basically, which I honestly I think is kind of cool. He was like, the purpose in life isn't to be psychic. It's to be more aware and love yourself and love other people. And he became like very adamant, right, that it's not to like replace religion. It's to like complement religion. And he would cover subjects like, can you hear the barking? Yes, I can. I'll wait. So in these study groups, he would cover subjects like dreams, uh, synchronicities, developing intuition, the Akashic records, astrology, past lives, soulmates, and other esoteric type subjects. And he also develops the Association of Natural Investigators, which built the Casey Hospital for Research and Enlightenment, which was staffed with medical personnel who used Casey's treatments. I wonder if they did stuff like early forms of, um, is it Reiki? No. Uh, Reiki? Reiki. I think Reiki massages where like they don't really touch. This kind of feels like that kind of vibe. The later period of Casey's life is when he starts becoming an industry, mm-hmm. which I get more sketched out about. Like he's definitely making quite a bit of money now. People are building houses for him, building hospitals, building libraries. 
Like he is running a business at this point. Now, I'm not saying he is. I think people that are surrounding him are maybe more the fishy ones that are trying mm-hmm. to exploit him. Yeah. Like I think his whole life he's been exploited. Yeah. But whether he's a part of it, I can't say. But the fact that today there's still the ARE, the uh, Association for Research and Enlightenment. Yeah. Like I haven't looked into it enough to know whether or not it's totally. I think they they sell a lot of interesting things online and and books and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was more more of a modest story. Yeah. Now he has buildings built with his name on it. You know what I mean? Right. Hospitals. Well, it's interesting because. After this hospital was run for a little while, he kind of took a step back and asked his employees and like the people a part of it if they felt like this was actually helping people and if it was contributing Mm. and got their feedback. And he actually disbanded that association and started a different one, the Association for Research and Enlightenment. So that came after the one with like the hospital and everything. And if people wanted a reading, they had to become a part of the association So they could agree that they were participating in like psychic research because they wanted to like combat charges of fortune telling, basically, because it was illegal in some states to do that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which is kind of funny, which also led to the foundation of the Atlantic University as well, which is a nonprofit university. Um, But they have degrees, like master's degrees, in things like transpersonal studies and mindful leadership. Oh, my God. (laughs) That is still being run today. It's like the the master of happy science. Right. You could still write in, right? Yeah. Because I I read somewhere he was receiving like an insane amount of mail, especially later in his career. Actually, the people close to him were telling him to chill out, basically, because he was doing like eight readings a day just to try and keep up with the demand. And and it put such a strain on his physical and mental health right. that he did a, a trance on himself, like a reading on himself. And it basically said, either slow down or you're going to die. He's like using himself too much. Right. And so he cut down a little bit, but he ended up having a stroke shortly after. And then he died pretty shortly after that. Yeah. So he died like fairly young, like in 64, 65, something like that. A lot of people would try to use him for fortune telling, like ask him questions like, hey, what should I invest in? Sports betting, stuff like that. Like, hey, who's going to win the baseball game? Mm -hmm. And he would bend to that pressure and he would do readings like that where he would give them answers to you know, potentially lucrative predictions. Mm -hmm. And he had noted that whenever he did that, the next day he would have like a horrible migraine. Mm. He'd be in especially intense amount of pain when he would use his powers for like superficial things. Interesting. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much all I have on the history and story of how Edgar Cayce came to be. So I believe that you prepared some wild accusation stories and prophecies. Yes, I have. So you can give us like more context. I'm going to be covering more like predictions, premonitions, general parapsychology angle of Edgar Cayce's life. Cool. So like you had said, he did a lot of work in a relatively short amount of time. During his lifetime, Cayce gave over 14,000 documented readings to his clients you mentioned some of these names, notable clients being Woodrow Wilson, Ooh. Irving Berlin, and Harry S. Truman. All right. So predictions. 
some of these aren't just predictions. They're also like prophecies or revelations, like the building of the pyramids. Ooh, interesting. So I'll start some of these with like an excerpt from the transcripts taken in his office and stuff. Mm-hmm. So here's the question. There's a reading that led him into a sort of rabbit hole talking about the Great Pyramid of Giza. Okay. I think he had like a secretary that would document this and ask him questions to further extract information from the entity. So it was like his wife for a while and then he got like a formal secretary to do it for him. Which he allegedly had a long-term affair with. Whoa. I know, right? He's <laughs> gazing. Bad Edgar. Ooh, Edgar. Hey, the sleeping prophet. Wow. Sleeping around. The round head works for him. Yeah. Oh, my God. That little sphere of a skull. <laughs> um. So the building of the pyramids. Question. This is the question. It'll be question and then Casey's response. Question, question. So question. <laughs> this is a very short excerpt from a very long transcript. How was the particular Great Pyramid of Giza built? Casey replies, or I should say the entity replies, by the use of those forces in nature as to make for iron to swim. Stone floats in the air in the same manner. This will be discovered in 58. What? All of his readings were in that very vague, weird way of speaking. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to understand what the entity is saying because it talks in this weird, like, circular language. Mm. That allows for a lot of interpretation. Exactly. You know, so you can interpret it in whatever way you want. So, again, it's by the use of those forces in nature as make for iron to swim. And I think that's relevant. I'll get to that in a second. But Casey's supporters relate this to the discovery of the unified field theory Hmm. by Professor Werner Heisenberg in 1958. And this theory involves gravitational pull and electromagnetic forces You might know more about it. I'm not sure. Unified field theory. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, focusing on what he says, like for iron to swim, stone floats in the same manner. You can always disregard the year stated in Casey's predictions because they're almost always wrong. Like it would be discovered in 58. I don't think his year has ever been correct. Yeah. But for iron to swim reminds me of the recent theory by archaeologist Mark Lenner. I think is how you say it. That proposes the use of ports and canals to transport heavy stone upward to build the Pyramid of Giza. Okay. Because it's always been a mystery of how these pyramids are built. Super heavy stone with that technology, how they get it up so high, whatever. Um, Evidence of a port near the site of the pyramids aids the theory that while the Nile was in flood, boats loaded with heavy stone could be steered to the lost port near the building site. Navigating waterways cut from the Nile into a floodplain that is now covered by desert and urban area. Hmm. Um, the discovery of an ancient scroll that contains record of an unknown official named Mirror, Mirror, um, probably definitely wrong. <laughs> it's an old ancient Egyptian like worker guy okay. who described leading a team making deliveries. He writes about stopping at Tura, the source of the pyramid's white limestone, and filling his boat with limestone to ship to Giza. This is found in a scroll. So we know that the boats were somehow involved with building the pyramids. Additional water-related pyramid theories suggest channels within the pyramids could have been filled with water from the engineered waterways using water pressure to shoot heavy stone to the top of the pyramid site during construction. And this has only been discovered in the recent few years? I believe this is more recent, like this theory. Now, we found evidence of the port being used to transport stone, but there's additional uh, theory about... You actually look it up. There's like a an animation of it. 
If you just yeah. did your research and yeah, if you, Googled if you, it. Yeah. So if you idiots can actually, um, I don't know, use a Bing. <laughs> only Bing. <laughs> it's the only one you can trust, of course. But yeah, you can see like a little animation of these channels, these these weird hollow structures in the pyramid. Uh, water could have been shot up into it, like a, a flowing current through these channels. And you could mm. move very heavy stone up there to build. Cool. But that's just me kind of milking this very vague prediction that Casey made. Right. Um, um, was definitely aliens. So. It could, I mean, it, Casey looked like a fucking alien. If you look at his adorable little round head. <laughs> his round head. Um, so, I okay. take offense to that because I have a round head. Um, not as round as Casey's. <laughs> you know what I mean? What is my head shape, would you say? I don't know. It's definitely roundish, but not like a circle. If my face looked like a celebrity's face, who? Edgar Casey. <laughs> nice. You you could pass as like a descendant of Edgar Casey though, but he had kind of feminine features. Honestly, I too um, were clairvoyant, so his gifts were passed down to me. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some you got you got some powers. That's for sure. You no, know, I don't know most of my family, so it's possible. You never know. Yeah. You never know. He was the sleeping prophet, so. He got around like the milkman, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so the stock market crash of 1929, you mentioned this briefly, first predicted in February 1925, then again in March 1929, which that would be six months before it actually occurred, he predicted this financial disaster. In 1925, while performing a life reading for a 26-year-old physician, Casey predicted he would soon grow wealthy, but he should be careful with his money, especially in regards to the, quote, adverse forces that will come then in 1929. Mm. Then the another implication of it in a reading in 1929, Casey performs a reading for a New York stockbroker, and during it, he warns of a, quote, great disturbance in financial circles, unquote, stating, quote, we may expect a considerable break in bear market, see? A lot of times it said see, like in the old movies, <laughs> like, ah, see? Hey, see? We may expect a considerable break in the bear market, see? This issue being between those of the reserves of nations and of individuals and will cause, unless another of the more stable banking conditions comes to the relief, a great disturbance in the financial circles. This warning has been given, see? <laughs> That's a direct, direct quote. I wonder when, as a society, we stopped using see. I think, like we say, you know. That's True. the same thing. You know? See? <laughs> that's just the way it sure. is see sure. that's just the way it is you know yeah kind of sim kind of similar yeah, no, uh, just right. a figure of speech that changes over time yeah. so his prediction of world war ii is pretty interesting here from the excerpt again from a, a reading the question please forecast the principal events for the next 50 years affecting the welfare of the human race a pretty easy request mm -hmm. um and casey or the entity says this had best be cast after the great catastrophe that's coming to the world in 36. In the form of the breaking up of many powers that now exist as factors in world affairs, then with the breaking up in 36 will be changes that will make different maps of the world. Again, pretty vague. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Casey also spoke of an alliance between Germany, Austria, and Japan. Ooh. Yeah, this was recorded during a session in 1935, and this alliance would not become common public knowledge until... Around September 1940, with the signing of the 
tripartite, tripartite pact, mm-hmm. which is when the three nations were like, hey, we're all buddies now. We're going to pummel you. Right. We're going to kick your ass, everybody else. <laughs> Casey also added in a reading, quote, the whole world, as it were, will be set on fire by militaristic groups. So that was all before World War II occurred. So that's all good. That's all well and dandy. But I also <laughs> want to talk about the other side of it, which is failed predictions and some general criticisms people have of Edgar Casey. Mm-hmm. So it's estimated that Casey made somewhere north of 21,000 predictions throughout his career. Mm-hmm. And in the words of American proverb Hannah Montana, oh. nobody's perfect. Oh, Lord. So despite this ghastly <laughs> premonition of 1936 and the subsequent catastrophe, in an earlier reading, Casey noted that the at-the-time future year of 1933 would be an exceptionally good year. Uh, 1933 was in the depths of the Great Depression and in the U.S., and the year the global economy reached a historic low. Nice. Uh, 1933 was also the year that Hitler was elected Chancellor of Germany, (laughs) marking (laughs) the rise of the Nazi Party's greater influence. And then next, most of his predictions about the lost city of Atlantis, which we talked about in our Atlantis episode, Mm-hmm. Uh, were never actualized, obviously. Casey claimed that U.S. forces would discover an, an Atlantean death ray in 1958. Sure did. Um, which I don't think ever happened. That we know of. That we know of? Come on, people. <laughs> Where do you think <laughs> tanks came from? Sheeple. We went from horses to tanks? <laughs> no, it was Atlantis. <laughs> Welcome to the History Channel. Right. Ancient aliens, a.k.a. Yeah. according to an idiot. <laughs> a.k.a. a very toxic uh, devolution of the History Channel. Can you call us history? Kind of. What if we got picked up by the History Channel? I'm going to be Edgar Casey for a minute, and I'm going to give a prediction. I feel like we would reach less people than we do now if we were on the History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> if we would just, and also, and it would just be like old <laughs> men at home. Right. Old retired, old retirees. That's rude because I watched the History Channel. Well, I feel like you would have, you're definitely an outlier in every sense of whatever you're doing. And <laughs> also, I think that uh, you would, like, you have similar interests to, to old retired men. That's true. You know, like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but on Facebook, you know, like those older men with like Confederate flags and their like profile photos. Yeah. And, um, there, there's like the thirst traps on Facebook where it's just like a girl on a farm in booty shorts and all <laughs> yeah. of the comments are like, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. You look stunning. You look stunning. It's like the trashiest, <laughs> the trashiest woman on a farm. Where do you live? Can I take you out to dinner? <laughs> yeah. Can I take you? Let me take you out. <laughs> That's me. That's yeah, my um, yeah, really, spirit yeah. animal. The thirst. You make me so feeble. honestly though okay that just that just completed the circle yes you are yes we watch ancient aliens and we thirst after people on the internet who are unattainable thirst (laughs) (laughs) and lastly casey (laughs) predicted that atlantis would rise again in 1968 or 1969 Mm -hmm. none of which happened however i shouldn't even feed into this but like the age of aquarius which i don't know if has anything to do with atlantis age of aquarius they think it started around then Mm-hmm. 1968, 1969. Mm-hmm. I mean, the summer of love and then the summer of hate directly afterwards. He also predicted that a giant solar crystal activated by the sun and used to harness its energy provided power to Atlantis. 
Yeah, that happened. <laughs> that one actually came true, though. So that's why it's not. not oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Remember when the crystal thing happened? When the remember? crystal thing happened? Weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Atlantis. So they made the movie yeah. about it, right? That's right. Yeah. Milo. That's right. Milo figured Milo. it out for us so we didn't have to. According to Casey, sometime in the 1960s, California would sink into the sea due to some sort of earthquake. Casey predicted that's just his own thing. Never mm-hmm. happened. But they do always talk about the big one hitting California. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, it's become a joke. It's just like, oh, the big one's coming. It's a joke, but you won't move to the Pacific Northwest with me because you're suspicious. I, that's one of the main reasons I'm, I wouldn't. I would be hesitant to move out there because we are in the darkest timeline. Oh, yeah. Okay. For that's sure. a fact. Yeah. This is the darkest timeline. We know this. Or is it? What if this is the best timeline? Oh, I hope not. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. If this was the brightest timeline, dear God. This is like where our different mindsets come into play. This is the darkest timeline to you. And in my mind, this is probably the best. Yeah. Hey, you know, in other timelines, nuclear war happened a lot earlier. Right. <laughs> um, well, World War Three almost happened in 2020. Do you remember that? And then it didn't. Well, it's almost about to happen now. Right. There's twenty twenty two. There's definitely a timeline where World War Three happened in twenty twenty. Maybe. I think you know? yes, probably. Yeah. I would maybe. Yeah, if that exists. Moving <laughs> on. Um <laughs> Casey predicted the apocalypse. Actually relevant, actually not moving on. Casey predicted the apocalypse in nineteen ninety nine. And or the return of Christ in nineteen ninety eight. Yes. And we both know which one happened. 1998. Christ <laughs> came back. <laughs> I was born two years before that, so. Same. It wasn't me, but it w- might have been my sister. No. Oh, well, actually, yes. Maybe it was. Your sister is nice. Christ is a woman. How about that? That's right. Christ is a woman. That's the next fucking Beyonce know, album title. <laughs> well, um, that is a song. God is a woman. God, That's right. Yeah, it's an Ariana Grande song. All right. Casey predicted that China would... Completely convert to Christianity by 1968, Mm. becoming the new cradle of Christianity. Today, roughly 5% of the Chinese population identifies as Christian. (laughs) So it's just slightly off by 95% of the population. Still, roughly half of Casey's predictions can be considered to contain partial truths in them. Uh, The rest are either outright false or too vague to be judged in any serious way for accuracy. However, Casey does have a quote that I think is very interesting. He says, Prophecy is never given for any other purpose than as a warning. For this reason, a successful prophecy is one that has been averted and therefore does not happen. Hmm. Which sounds pretty convenient, Edgar. It, it does sounds like you're sound trying, yeah. pretty convenient, yeah. Like, either way I win, so. Well, I mean, if you think about it, because, like, a lot of these, if we're talking, like, multiple timelines, right, if, if that's, like, the way that we're thinking, you're only able to predict the future to a certain amount of accuracy anyway, because there are so many choices and things that can influence the future. I mean, you really, you can't definitively say anything in the future, right? Because there's so many things that can change that or like, you know, or put it off course. So there is probably definitely a timeline where we found a giant solar crystal activated by the sun used to harness its energy and provided power to Atlantis, but not in this timeline. This timeline, we did not find it. By that logic, though, there's probably a timeline where I'm purple. There's probably a timeline where I am named Mo and you are named Jeremy. Maybe. Perhaps. That's right. 
and I am a witty lesbian, <laughs> and you are a frustrated. I, I, I don't know what the hell I am. Frustrated. But I'm frustrated. That's for sure. I was gonna say frustrated goblin man. <laughs> goblin man. Thanks, Mo. Fuck. Thanks, Mo. <laughs> so let's move on to this. <laughs> you can't tell me you don't frustrated make those noises. Frustrated goblin man. Man, with friends like these, <laughs> you, who needs enemies? Um, this quote is uh, thought provoking. And puts Casey's shortcomings in a different perspective, for sure. But like I just said, maybe it's him saving face, implying that he can never be proven wrong or be proven a fraud. That's the one thing with the Casey story that keeps me from really believing in it, because a lot of it's really interesting and cool. But, you know, a shuckster is a shuckster. Like he's Mm -hmm. they're always cut from the same cloth out of all the prophets and uh, mystics that I've researched, he's the most affable. He's the most likable. Mm-hmm. Humble. He just seems endearing and sweet. And I think he's, I think he was a good man. Mm-hmm. But if he isn't 100% authentic, then he's a pretty terrible fraud. Yeah. Like a pretty damaging fraud. Goblin man, if I am allowed to say. Um, are you <laughs> implying that he's not allowed to make mistakes? Are you saying that he's not human? He has to be 100% correct all the time? Well, I'm just saying that the entity <laughs> is what is making these predictions, is it not? Sure, but the entity could also exist within many layers of consciousness. And if we're this is true. if we're diverging into a different path, then the entity can't necessarily predict it, but it can predict the most likely outcome, and that's what it gives, but that isn't always necessarily what happens. That's true, because you got to ask, how much does the entity really know? Right. It knows everything, but on the same side of the coin, it knows everything. You know? Yes. Because it, like, yeah, it's a higher power, but it still might not have all the answers. Even a higher power that is infinitely more intelligent than you on a cosmic mm-hmm. level, like this supposed entity, still might not know jack shit about certain things. Right. You know, still might be getting cross signals or reading, like you said, reading the fortunes and the prophecies of a a reality, a universe that, that we averted. Right. Different timeline. It's kind of like a... A general principle when it comes to like tarot as well, like when you're doing like a tarot reading for the future, that's the most predicted future, the most likely future depending on current events. But your future is like always in your own hands, you know, in your own way. Like you can always make changes. You can always like deviate from the path that you're on. It's always changing. Right. And it's always changing. Speaking of hands and fortune telling, I was told by a palm reader that um, the lines on your palms change throughout your life, mm-hmm. uh, like every 10 years or something, like your palms can look totally different. Mm. So even if you get a palm reading, it might not be the same, like your future can change throughout your life based on what happens to you going by the logic of palmistry. I had my palm read um, when I was like a kid because I have Romanian ancestry. Um, and so we would go to like these conventions where there were like tarot readings, astrology, birth charts, palm readings, things like that. And I had my palm read and the lady like looked at it and she was like, oh, you have a lot of lines. Like you've lived a long time. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways. That's strange. Well, I got my palm read by a guy who was from like the Romani people and his grandmother was from the old country and like she taught him how to palm read. He told me all about Hell it. Hell yeah. He had read me and my two other friends palms mm-hmm. at a festival and he gave me and my one friend like very long in-depth readings. He told me that I had this line in your hand that's common with people who are clairvoyant. Wow. He said it's very rare for a man to have it. Cool. Um, he also called my hands gay, 
But um, he hit on a lot of things that were like medical things that he wouldn't have known about, mm. especially things that I was dealing with at that moment. He got my personality fairly correct. He got my past love life fairly correct. Those things you can guess on. Mm -hmm. um, but what was weird is that for my one friend, one of the things he had asked her, he was reading her hand and he looked at her and he said, did you have the miscarriage yet? <gasps> she was like, no. He goes, okay, well, don't worry. Weird. There's just this thing I'm seeing. Yeah. That freaked her out with good reason. It was kind of a crazy thing to say to somebody. Yeah. Um. He was the real deal. He was he was very interesting. I wish I could have went. I would love to have my palm read by a professional. You do have um, very strong by wife energy. Yeah, I've been told that as well. <laughs> for the for your listeners, um, by wife energy is like basically a guy who's like a very fierce supporter of their wife who's probably bi, and people sometimes can mistake him as queer, like the complete opposite of toxic masculinity. But so getting back to Edgar Casey and some controversies with mm. Edgar Casey, some criticisms. Oh, oh. Um, Edgar Casey is perceived as a bit, believe it or not, problematic by modern skeptics and critics for his promotion of pseudo history, pseudo medicine, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. In relation to his trance readings involving the alleged history of Atlantis and his advocacy of polygenism. Mm -hmm. So polygenism is the theory that human races are of different origins, uh, which is widely discredited now, obviously. But we kind of talked about it in our Atlantis episode, this idea that all the races either were developed on different planets or different parts of our planet. Casey's readings produced his claim that five, the five human races, white, black, red, brown, and yellow, or <laughs> pardon the... Insensitivity now, the but... Insensitive brevity... They had been created separately on different parts of the planet. Casey also claimed more mythical organisms, such as giants, were produced by what were called soul entities mating with animals. Mm -hmm. So some, there's some kooky stuff in there as well. Health professionals and specialists collectively seem to agree that Casey's homeopathic cure-alls were mostly nonsense. For example, in his book, Health Smarts, How to Spot the Quacks, Avoid the Nonsense, and Get the Facts, author John H. Renner writes, quote, Some quacks, such as Edgar Casey, <laughs> attributed their powers to God. Casey, who made his diagnosis while in trance, claimed that his healing powers came from God. To treat patients, he used spinal manipulation as well as red bug juice and oil of smoke in his cures. I'm not sure what oil of smoke is. I did look up red bug juice, and I think it's referring to this one product that um, I actually found on Casey's website oh. that they still sell. So it's a cream. Order that. Write it down. Yeah, it's it's a cream that is to be applied to one's skin, more specifically massaged along the spine, under the arm, and in the groin mm. to repel mosquitoes. That's how it's currently marketed. Um, this is currently sold on one of Casey's websites, and it is called Skeeto Salve. <laughs> and it's a salve that you apply to your skin. Nice. Um, in a trance, Casey gave the recipe for this Skeeto Salve, which was a mixture of cocoa butter and quinine. And quinine is derived from a reddish powdered bark. Okay. Which I think is that red bug juice, because it repels bugs and it's red. So Casey's high-tech Skeeto salve was also meant to relieve congestion and stimulate lymphatic activity. Uh, how? I don't know. 
But you can visit Casey.com, which appears to be an official and legit website partnered with the ARE. The site offers Casey-approved health information and sells products and remedies like the treatments Casey communicated in his trance reading, such as... Mm-hmm. I'm going to breeze through some of these. Some of these require a longer explanation. Hit me, hit me, hit me. Number one, you have what's called American Saffron, which is saffron herbal tea, which acts as an intestinal and digestive aid. And the site claims it can nearly cure psoriasis if you drink this tea. <laughs> nearly. They also sell what's called... a Atomic iodine, which is non-lethal iodine for consumption and topical use. I don't think I would trust that. And it also is used to treat goiter and thyroid disorder. Dis- disorders. Thyroid disorders. <laughs> uh, thyroid disorders. Uh, the site claims it treats high blood pressure as well. <laughs> thyroid disorders. Um, so this one, this is the most common ingredient in all formulas that Casey recommended. Castor oil. Mm. Have you heard of castor oil? Yes. Castor oil, a recurring ingredient. It's made from a magician, and he casts, and spewing from his wand comes an oil, a.k.a. castor oil. I just wanted to stare at you as long as possible. (laughs) You're right. That's exactly what it is. So... (laughs) Um, castor oil is a vegetable oil pressed from castor beans, a pale yellow oily liquid. <laughs> castor oil and its derivatives are used in the manufacturing of food additives, mold inhibitors, soaps, lubes, hydraulic brake fluid, nylon, paints, plastics, and more. So it sounds very edible. It's been used for medicinal purposes for centuries with little evidence of its effectiveness. One proven use for castor oil is as a heavy laxative. Weirdly enough, back in the day, this was used as punishment for kids by parents Mm. like a long time ago which is really messed up but also it was used as a common weapon of the italian fascist militias to humiliate political dissidents by force feeding it to them during torture and this took place under mussolini's rule in italy you just kind of shit yourself to death so casey.com sells their own castor oil to be taken to treat constipation bladder infections Vaginal yeast. Treat damaged hair and skin ulcers. Also preventing the growth of certain bacteria, molds, and viruses, allegedly. Do you think you could make bread? I don't want to have this conversation. We're stopping right there. No more vaginal yeast talk, please. So another thing related to that, a product that you can buy out through website, Castor Cream. A mixture of castor oil and baking soda that makes a topical cream that's said to cure warts, corns, calluses, and skin tags. Mm. All sorts of disoiters. <laughs> All sorts of disoiters, like your thyroid disoiters. <laughs> also have the charred oak keg, which I already went into detail about. This is my favorite. Crudolium is the product name, and it is Pennsylvania crude oil. Mm. A topical mixture made of literal crude oil based off Casey's formula for curing hair loss. Cover your hair in crude oil for up to an hour, rinsing with grain alcohol, and then massaging white Vaseline into the scalp. That sounds so greasy. Can you imagine what your head looks like at the end of this? So if done two to three times per month, most cases, apparently, of balding were said to stop and the loss of hair would grow again. But at what cost? Yeah, just get Rogaine, you know? What I, lo- what I love to... Minoxidil. Here's a, here's a slightly out of context line from a transcript I found from one of the readings about this crude oil hair loss thing. The question was, and what diet will prevent falling hair? And Casey answers in his trans date, potatoes! (laughs) Exclamation mark. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Lastly, a very common thing is olive oil. Hmm. 
that they sell. Do you love olive oil? Taken orally as a laxative to drain your colon and gall duct, and in small amounts, what he called half a teacup portions, each night would, quote, cleanse all toxic forces from any system. He also recommended using it as salad dressing, as an enema, as shampoo, as soap, or as massage oil. Mm -hmm. Shove some oil up your butt. Not as unpleasant if you do it the right way. I bet. <laughs> so just, just in closing, <laughs> it should be noted that Though underreported, <laughs> the unscientific nature of many of Casey's medical remedies likely harmed some of his clients, if not just mm -hmm. failed to work at all. Casey often failed to cure some patients. It wasn't an irregular thing. For example, his own cousin and his infant son, unfortunately, both of which Casey attempted to heal before their deaths. Mm. Casey performed most of his health and healing related readings remotely. He would receive letters from people who would describe their health concerns and Casey would try to focus on them in his trance state and receive cures for these ailments that would then be relayed back to them afterwards. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of cases, these people would have been dead before he got the chance to read the letters. Mm. So he was doing readings for these people who were already dead, mm. which is weird. On a more conceptual level, some critics of Casey cite many of Casey's visions and the lore he built around his more cerebral ideas and concepts, such as reincarnation and his interpretation of the Akashic Records. They say that it all borrows from the works of occult writers like Madame Helena Blavatsky. Also, his dream study is greatly inspired by Carl Jung. Both Blavatsky and Jung published works that Edgar Cayce owned and read frequently. Mm -hmm. So they're saying that a lot of this symbolism, these spiritual ideas, were sort of implanted in his subconscious, so that when he did readings, he would borrow from them heavily. Like a lot of his ideas, either intentionally or unintentionally, Carl Jung, especially with the collective unconscious, mm -hmm. the idea of the entity is very much like the collective unconscious. There is a force unifying all of us, this cosmic knowledge anyone can tap into, and he's tapping into it as the entity. Mm -hmm. But popular math and science writer Martin Gardner discussed how Casey likely borrowed these ideas and fused them into his own practices and writings. In a book Gardner wrote called Edgar Casey in Context, Gardner analyzed Casey's recorded trances and noted that much of their contents were strikingly similar to the concepts explored by popular spiritualists and psychoanalytic writers of the time. Gardner was convinced that Casey's trances consisted of, quote, little bits of information gleaned from here and there in the occult literature spiced with occasional novelties from Casey's unconscious. Hmm. Maybe that's why he had such a morality issue with it. That was like the only thing that his dad would stop beating him for and was proud of. And so he, like, kept on with it, but he felt so bad. He, like, felt like it wasn't entirely accurate, so he never accepted payment for it. That could be. But he never knew how to do anything else. And it also, the thing is, too, like, it made people feel better. Yeah. Whether it, it becomes nefarious and about money, this makes people feel good, and that makes me feel good. I'm going to do it because I want to help people. But you're not really helping them because you're doing this fake thing. Right. You know well, placebos I mean? are real. Incredibly real. Yeah. You can put crude oil on your head and think the next day that your hair's grown back right and then it does simply because you believe that it does that's right that's fucking weird that's right that's why manifestation's believe. real you know what i mean placebo and on top of it too there's this doctor called dr i think it's jb ryan oh, yeah jb ryan um he was a professor who taught at duke university in the 1920s and he helped develop an experimental parapsychology lab to study what was called abnormal psychology which was essentially like ESP. Mm -hmm. He's very famous in like the paranormal study field. 
he did a ton of testing with psychics and average people to try to see if people could just naturally be psychic. Like he would have like decks of cards and he would record how often people would be able to predict the next card in the in the deck. Mm-hmm. Like really meticulous stuff like that. He eventually he tested Casey. Mm-hmm. And again, Dr. Ryan, probably a pretty gullible guy because he was doing this to begin with. <laughs> yeah, because he's doing this to begin with. Dr. Ryan tested Edgar Casey back in the day and was actually unimpressed. Hmm. He had Casey do a trance reading for his own daughter, Ryan's daughter, um, and found Casey's reading to be considerably inaccurate and most of his predictions very, very vague. Hmm. That's fair. That's my take on this. I think, yeah, honestly, couldn't say one way or the other. I just think there's. Well, I think like in the grand scheme of things, at the at the minimum, you can see that he kind of helped spearhead a holistic medicine movement oh, yeah. and kind of like spirituality and all of that. And I think on a greater scale, it was beneficial because it helped introduce these kind of concepts to a larger audience and it helped them tap into this ideology on their own in whatever way worked for them. You know what I mean? Like astrology, tarot, spirituality, manifestation, synchronicities, whatever. They can kind of take what they want and make it into like whatever makes sense for them. And that can be extremely beneficial. And we kind of have him to thank for making this as well known as it is. Regardless if his actual readings were, you know, accurate or beneficial or not, you know. Whether he was authentic, whether you believe what he did. Somehow, in some cases, it worked. Mm -hmm. That is the weirdest part of it. I don't know. And that kind of digs into the collective unconscious. Like if, if you all believe in this thing, does it make it real? Does it manifest? Does it become real? Because mm-hmm. again, a lot of his story is compelling. It is strange. Some of his predictions are worth looking into. I think his character speaks for itself. Like yeah. He just seemed like a genuinely good guy who didn't want to make money off of this, even when his family needed money, right. wouldn't accept payment. He worked at a photography shop for a long time salesman for a long like he was on and off different jobs they were not financially stable and like he could have been making a ton of money for much earlier than he started making money doing this but he didn't for sure which is interesting because anybody who gets into the game like that right away they're they're trying to make money Mm -hmm. so he's a very interesting character and a lot of spooky stuff to his story if you look further into it stuff that we failed to mention so many books written about him that are worth looking into but very interesting character, a very relevant character in the grand scheme of these things that we talk about in this podcast. Well, maybe one day we can do a follow-up episode if anyone wants to call us out on stuff that we missed or yeah. if there's like anything in particular that is especially interesting that people know and want us to cover, we can always do follow-ups and minis or another full. Yeah. You know, we did fucking like two or three episodes on Mothman. We can do two or three episodes on Edgar Casey. You know, we could always revisit things. I think yeah. it's interesting because I think so too. Yeah, why not? Well, I'm happy that we got to do this deep dive on this weird character. I think it's probably a good amount of time for us to close off altogether. Agreed. So, Jeremy, I will pass it off to you on what your good vibe is. Uh, the parasites in my brain that are calling the shots that I contracted from cat feces. Hell yeah. They give me the confidence I need. (laughs) My good vibe is getting my mini Lego figure. (laughs) We talked about this prior to recording the podcast, but 
I was in a relationship, like I mentioned earlier, and I made custom Lego figures of the both of us, and I had it rerouted to myself, and now I have a mini Lego figure of me that I didn't think that I would get. And your ex as well, which is... Uh... And my ex as well, but you know what? I have a type, so it'll probably fit the next person I date. <laughs> it'll probably still be relevant. <laughs> yeah, this looks enough like you. This is for you. You're right. This is... I actually made this for you before we met, because I'm psychic and... Like Edgar Casey, yeah, like, like, like how you look like Edgar Edgar Casey's granddaughter or something. <laughs> Grandchild of Edgar Casey. Good, good old Lego. Good old Lego. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you have any topic suggestions or general feedback, you can always send us an email at according to an idiot at gmail.com. You can also stay up to date on all of our uploads and general nonsense on our Facebook and Instagram at according to an idiot or our Twitter at idiots accord. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where our patrons voted on this topic to be covered. Yes. We have a lot of different tiers, a lot of different options. And if you would prefer ad-free listening, guess what? Our patrons get it there, too. And you can find us at According to an Idiot there as well. And as always, if you could please leave us an iTunes review, that helps other people find us and boosts our numbers and stuff. It makes us right. look also valid to, you know, people who want to pay us. <laughs> sure <laughs> also you can rate us on spotify now too as well mm -hmm. if you go to the home page there's a little thing below our name and it's a little little star system give us stars on there just like you would give us stars on itunes you can also i don't, I don't know if you're listening to us on youtube but we're also on youtube every episode is uploaded to youtube nice as well so cool i didn't know if that you ever you know you didn't know that <laughs> no i'm joking <laughs> okay i wasn't sure but yeah so every episode's on youtube as well and like you said, yeah, Patreon, more and more. Our Patreon sort of slowly gaining more and more content. I'd like to, to eventually, we're going to try to put exclusive content on there when we have um, the means to do that, mm -hmm. which is, I think, slowly approaching. Yeah. Slowly approaching. Slowly getting um, there. So yeah, watch out, watch out for that. But yeah, come be part of the community. Come join us. We do have a Discord as well. Mm -hmm. Join the Discord server as well, mm -hmm. if you please. That can all be found in, uh, you know, bios on any of our social pages. We have a link tree page, that kind of stuff that could direct you there. You'll find it. You'll, you'll, you'll find it. You'll get there. If Don't you want to send us some messages bullying Jeremy, I'm trying to convince him to do some video podcasts as well at some point. So, Hell yeah. I'm, not, I'm being bullied, so no, I don't want to do that. Don't, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta be twisting my arm mm -hmm. for me to do that. See? Twisting my arm, see? I got a disoida. Uh, goida, goida disoida, <laughs> see? <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time, and I love you so much. And I will see you in time. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye.